Hey, everyone. You found the Don't Suck at AI podcast, where you'll hear from AI industry icons about how their companies are producing successful AI solutions that are changing the way we do business today and into the future. So here's your host, John Lindsay. Welcome, everyone, and thanks for joining us on the Don't Suck at AI podcast. Today, we have some jurisprudence lined up for you as we're welcoming legal tech guru and AI evangelist Colin Levy to the podcast. Colin is an absolute dual threat as he's a lawyer and a technologist in the legal space. So let me give you a little background on Colin first. Colin has been intrigued by the law since he was a teenager. So, of course, Colin went to law school and following graduation in 2010, he has had several stints where he gained exposure to various disciplines, such as regulatory compliance and contract administration. He even had a stop at a legal startup focused on proprietary technology. From there, he went on to do some in-house opportunities as he focused on being an in-house counsel for a manufacturer, a global learning company, and a fast-growing tech company. He's capitalized on all this experience and has evolved into one of the most prominent and sought after lawyers and tech influencers in the legal tech space. And Bill, you and I can corroborate that. We see him everywhere out there in, in the cyberspace. Yes, yes. So he started a blog where he has spent years discussing the best and worst of legal tech. He's currently one of the go-to sources for how to actually deploy technology within the legal domain. And he's a rock star on LinkedIn. Bill and I are kind of calling groupies, if you haven't noticed. So Colin, our goal today for you was to have you share with our listeners a little bit more about you, since you're obviously a successful lawyer, a technologist, a blogger who really has the ear of the legal community when it comes to cutting through all the BS in the marketing hype, which is precisely why companies seek you out for advice on technology decisions and all this crazy post-pandemic time. However, before we let you talk a little bit about yourself, tell me what we've overlooked or missed here in the background. You know, earlier in my career, you were right, I did work for a legal tech startup focused on, on contracts and contract management. That probably gave me my first taste, I would say, of, of legal tech, although arguably even before that, I had an even more unexpected taste of it when I was working for a big firm in New York prior to law school, creating e-discovery databases and maintaining them. So that was a little bit of an intro to a space I didn't know at the time was going to be something that I am now passionate about. And yeah, most of my career has been focused in-house where experiences ranged across different industries, sizes of legal departments. But remarkably or unremarkably, <laughs> I mean, you look at it, I've experienced working in those departments, fairly similar issues relating to managing workflows, not being able to have tech help prevent you from spending time on things that are time consuming and you shouldn't necessarily be spending time on. But that only made me even more interested in tech in its role, say, within uh, the legal space. Perfect timing in terms of being able to dive in for sure, Colin. You've taken advantage of it big time. So one of the things that we like to do here on each episode is we like to share a don't suck fun fact. And so I actually had one picked out, but, but you made me change it because this milestone you just hit. So let me see. I just learned this fun fact a few hours ago about you. Colin just hit 13,000 followers on LinkedIn. So first off, let's have Bill Horns, confetti, we should, champagne, we should be drinking something has to <laughs> celebrate this. Yay, this is amazing. Yes, this is phenomenal. All right, enough of that. Colin, talk to us about how long it took you to develop a following that large and a little bit about your content style in terms of how it's changed over the years. Because 13,000 people, 
Bill and I, Bill, do we even have a thousand between us? I don't even know. <laughs> I know I don't know 13,000 people. So talk to us about how it happened, Colin. It was kind of unexpected for me just because, you know, when I started out posting on LinkedIn, I essentially did it out of desire to kind of just share my experience working as an in-house lawyer and what I was learning about what it meant to be a lawyer, what skills I was learning. And I found that those posts tended to resonate with others. And so, you know, I started kind of developing this community around myself that was supportive of what I was sharing. And many of these folks shared similar experiences that sort of helped jumpstart me. And I think the other part that has helped is anything that I say on LinkedIn or on Twitter is the same thing I would say to you to your face in person. So I think there's a certain authenticity to what I say that's been helpful because I'm frankly just honest, sometimes really blunt, because I just think it's important. And I also don't have much of a filter, admittedly. So that's also part of it. I also think that the posting style for me has evolved a little bit over time from one where I focus primarily kind of on my experience working in-house to my thoughts about technology. And those thoughts have evolved from conversations I've had with many different folks at different stages of their careers and different experiences and relationships with technology. Some were teaching tech in law school, some were thinking about doing so. Others were creating products and kind of telling me their journey about creating a product and how it worked or didn't work out in terms of finding success. And I think kind of telling those stories and kind of developing into sort of a legal tech storyteller, if you will, has been something that I found to be fairly effective and enjoyable and, and evidently is, has resonated with people. And, you know, I'm, I'm quite humbled and honored by the fact that I, that so many people have taken the time to follow me and comment on what I say, because you know, I'm fairly critical of myself. So I'm not, it's hard for me to accept compliments. So when I have a lot of people following me, it's really kind of something that just is very surprising to me and really just humbled by it and, and thankful for all those that have supported me and chosen to follow me and reach out because I'm always learning something from every single person that I talk to. Well, that is awesome, Colin. And what I'll say is, and Bill and I talked about this off the air, was there's a genuineness to what you do and you combine that with the expertise that people really have confidence in, in your knowledge in both the law side of the and in the legal tech space. And that combination is really effective for helping people make decisions in a time like this. So it's a perfect storm for people looking for leadership to make sound decisions in this space when they don't have all that knowledge that you do. So it's it's awesome. It works out great. Well, let's dive in a little bit to some of the questions that we've got. We're going to be talking about the legal domain today. And since Bill and I, we run a software development and deployment firm, we have a pretty good understanding of the technologies that make up AI and digital transformation. But in legal, we keep hearing the term legal tech. And I've heard it bantered around quite a bit. And so a couple of things I want to ask you is, first of all, is that a thing? Is legal tech a thing? And if so, can you help us define it so we have some sense of exactly what it means? Absolutely. So it definitely is a thing. But I think that the struggle many folks tend to have with legal tech is it's a bit of an amorphous thing because the way I look at it is legal tech is kind of two things. One is it's a set of a growing set and evolving set of tools that are used by legal professionals to perform and deliver legal services to clients. So meaning it's tools that are not just built by lawyers for lawyers, 
the tools used by legal professionals in every part of a legal ecosystem to help support the work that clients need and the support that clients want. I would also say, in addition, legal tech is a cultural movement that is focused on making the legal profession be more tech-savvy, tech-enabled, and data-driven. So it's not just kind of about the tech itself. It's also about people and changing people's perspectives and people's thoughts around what lawyers are, what lawyers do, and how lawyers work and how legal professionals work. That kind of makes it, I think, sometimes difficult for people to wrap their minds around because it's both a tangible thing and it's not. And so that, I think, can be a little bit difficult for people to understand because people tend to, I think, understand things that are tangible and physical and visible. And legal tech is that, but it also isn't that. Well, Colin, now that we have a better understanding from your perspective, uh, what everyone means when they say legal tech, I think, can you give us a glimpse of the overall state of the legal domain as it pertains to leveraging technology? Are they uh, leading, lagging, or some somewhat in the middle? What's your opinion? It's hard for me to generalize about the legal industry as a whole, because it's not monolithic in terms of its approach to technology. But I would say... Generally speaking, if I can, I think the legal industry has long been a laggard in terms of its use of data and use of tech. So I definitely don't think that is shocking or surprising for anyone to hear. I do think that certain areas within the legal industry have made strides with respect to incorporating technology and making better use of it. Contracting, for example, is definitely one area that is generating a lot of interest and a lot of investment in terms of managing the contract lifecycle, reviewing contracts, drafting them, negotiating them, storing them, finding them, all those things. I would also say that tools that help lawyers manage their workflows, manage their projects is also another growing area within the tech space. For example, tools that help manage matters, manage billing, manage correspondence, manage documents in terms of a document management system, which is different from a contract management system. Uh, so I, I do think there is growth, but at the same time, while there has been some growth, those in the legal field shouldn't be patting themselves on the back too much because there's still a lot of room to move forward, a lot of growth that needs to happen. And compared to other industries, they're still laggards with respect to their use of technology and its incorporation into the legal ecosystem. Uh, I think you're right on. Well, good points. Colin, so it sounds like from your perspective, you're seeing them start to adopt the technology, which obviously can be a really good thing. But let's talk a little bit about how you guide these companies within the legal space who are attempting to begin the digital transformation process. How do you help them see the big picture strategy as opposed to just focusing on, hey, I need this particular point solution because this other company is using it. What's the big picture strategy and how do you guide them effectively? Yeah. So that's, I think, a really good question. Lawyers are kind of like cats in some ways in that they see (laughs) the shiny keys and go chasing after kind of the shiny thing. Not all cats do that, I should say. (laughs) But many do. And lawyers do the same thing. They see technology that they think they see some other competitor using and think, oh my God, I need to have that. That yeah, I got to keep up with these people. They're using that. So I want to use that too. But the problem with thinking that way is they're not thinking about that competitor operates perhaps a different way from how you operate. And it's important to take a step back before looking at tech and understand kind of how you work, what your current state of play is, what your 
processes look like, what your level of tech use is, what your tech stack in terms of your existing tech tools, if any, look like and how they interact with one another. So I think it's really important before you start looking at tech to understand your people, how they use tech, what why they use tech, their level of tech fluency in your processes and to the extent that tech is used in those processes. And once you kind of have that baseline, use that baseline to guide you with respect to looking at potential tech solutions, understanding, of course, that tech may be the answer, may not be the answer, but it's certainly not going to solve all of your problems, but it it potentially could help solve part of a problem or a problem, but it's not a panacea. Well, that sounds like some fantastic advice, Colin. So here's a question. Does the legal industry, since we talked about them not necessarily being a leader in tech, do they welcome proven technologies from other domains where it has been successfully deployed, such as in oil and gas, energy, uh, healthcare, retail, and so forth? What are your thoughts? Well, generally speaking, legal people, especially lawyers, have this sort of exceptionalism. They think they're special. They think they're magicians. They think they're you know, immune from the demands of other industries or businesses. And that can be an impediment to them looking to other industries to learn, to grow, and perhaps adopt some of their practices. With that being said, I do think more and more there is a movement now from some within the legal space to look to other industries and see how technology has helped those industries. I think often the analogy can be made between healthcare and law because for a long time, healthcare was not tech enabled. It was done a certain way for a very long period of time, was relatively successful doing things that way. And now technology is all over the place, rapidly transforming the way healthcare services are delivered and how people's health is measured and treated. Likewise, I think law is kind of at the early stages of where the healthcare industry was in terms of its use of tech and that they're gradually seeing more and more ways in which technology can be applied to the way that services are delivered and the way in which clients and lawyers and clients and law firms or law departments can interact. And that relationship, I think, is transforming. And as that transforms, you'll see more and more use of tech tools and a more data-driven approach to your early point, Bill. Yeah. No, that's a great point. It's a great example too, Colin, on the healthcare side, because that was one of those, hey, it's necessity that drove this based on the pandemic, right? We were all sitting in our homes. We still had to see the doctor in some capacity. They made it work. You know, would they have ever gotten there this fast had that not happened? No, but it didn't matter. They adapted and you're right. They did adapt. And, and to be and to be fair to the healthcare industry, they already had some of these technologies already. They just didn't necessarily use them to the extent that they we're thinking we're going to be used, but the pandemic obviously you know, shifted priorities quite a bit. And some of those changes, I think, will likely be permanent. That's a great point. And it's actually a perfect segue into where we're going. So the pandemic and all the change that we've gone through from a, not only just from a business perspective, the personal perspective, everything, it drove a massive amount of change in a short period of time. As you sit here and look into that crystal ball of legal tech future. What do you see when you're going, oh man, this thing for the last year, we've just been on a rocket ship. What is the next five years going to bring? Tell us what you see out there when you're looking down the road, because as a visionary and as one of the influencers in this space, people are looking to you to tell them what's next. No pressure. No pressure. (laughs) You know, I think this probably won't come as much as for us, but I think that contract lifecycle management that already has taken off will continue to take off. 
But I would look to that space to expand more and more into data-driven use cases. Because I think right now the focus has been just managing documents, managing contracts, but more and more now we're turning to actually driving the data that's stored in contracts and be able to use that data to drive how contracts are negotiated, how terms are applied, how things are drafted, things along those lines. I'd say another area that I see taking off is data analytics on the litigation side. I'm not a litigator, but I certainly think that use of data to help inform the potential of litigation, the potential of claims being successful, and the potential outcomes of cases even is more and more becoming something that could potentially be predicted. I don't think we're there yet, but it's definitely not far-fetched to see that coming down the pike. And I think that's very, very exciting. In fact, a few weeks ago, I was talking to someone in the insurance industry whose clients are are insurance companies, and they're working on developing a tool that helps insurance companies better understand why they get sued, the types of claims that come up and that type of thing, and be able to use that data and make better decisions about how to manage and develop litigation strategies. So I do think that those kinds of things are really super exciting to see, given someone who is very into data and data analytics. That is exciting for me, even though, as I like to say, nothing would scare me more than being dragged in front of a judge in a courtroom because I want nothing to do with courtrooms and judges. That's literally the one thing that scares me. I don't want anything to do with it. But that being said, to avoid that through use of data, now that's something that I can get behind and I think is pretty cool. So... (laughs) Man, this has been phenomenal, Colin. Thank you for taking the time with us today. Let me bring it in for a landing and give a summary of what we heard, because this has just really been great. I mean, first of all, Colin, 13,000 followers on LinkedIn. That absolutely does not suck. That's an amazing accomplishment. Kudos to you. Being the Michael Jordan of the legal tech space, give me a break here. That doesn't suck. There's no question about that. And then and then finally, what you just shared with us on the data analytics piece of this, this is really where we see it going as well, Colin. I mean, data analytics impacting both the strategic side and the outcome of legal, that absolutely will not suck. Everybody and everything will continue to become more data-driven. That's exactly what guys like Bill and I want to hear. There's no doubt about it. So Listen, you've been an amazing guest. You've been entertaining. You've been genuine. And you've shared so much with us about technology in that legal space. It's been so informative. I know that all of our Don't Suck family of listeners are going to want to know how they can follow you. So so if you will, share with our listeners how they connect with you, Colin. Absolutely. So they can find me under my name on, on LinkedIn. They can also find me on Twitter at clevy underscore law. That's C-L-E-V-Y underscore law. Those are probably the best places to contact me. They can also find me on my website, colonslevy.com, which I hope will be relaunching as soon as it's currently undergoing an exciting redesign. Awesome. Colin, well, listen, it has been phenomenal. I've learned a ton. We're just so impressed with everything you've been able to do in the space. And we're, believe me, like I said at the beginning, Bill and I are groupies. Bill, what would you add to this in terms of, of what you heard today? No, I would just double up on your thanks. Thank you, Colin, for uh, spending this time with us and our audience. Your insights are are very valuable to us, and uh, especially uh, some of the things you said about what you see coming down in the future. They line up with uh, what John and I were just talking about uh, about an hour ago. So uh, thank you so much, Colin. From New England area, way, way, way up north where it's cold and you probably have layers on to all the way down here in Texas where we got shorts on because it's hot. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> All of our Don't Suck family of listeners out there who join us every week, thank you guys for tuning in. And that's a wrap, baby. 